Good morning. Hey, it is, uh, it's really good to be here uh, with you. I, uh, my name's Tim. I'm, I'm the lead pastor here. Thanks for, for leading us, you guys. It was, it was great. And I, uh, I, I feel like I've said this a number of times over the last couple months, but, um, uh, but we really sound good together. Um, and so when, when Phil, when, when the band kind of backs off the instruments and we just get to hear ourselves and not that you guys don't sound great, you do. Um, but, but to hear us sing together is, is, uh, is a beautiful thing and, and it's, it's great. I, uh, um, if I were to sing just on my own, it would be the opposite of a beautiful thing. It would be a, a, a horrific, scary, uh, uncomfortable sound. And so I just so enjoy coming into a room full of people who are seeking to adore Jesus and lift our voices together because I can't hear my own and I get to hear us together. And that's just a wonderful thing. And so uh, we, we, and then I get to include myself in that as a, as a we. And so we sound really good together. It's good to, to worship Jesus in this place together. I, uh, um, I got to, to be a part of the team that went to Kosovo. We got back uh, late Thursday uh, evening and uh, are still going through that uh, jet lag thing. Um, and so that is, that's just, just awesome fun. Um, and so um, I kind of pride myself when I get up really early and take advantage of the day, um, less so when it's forced and involuntary and it just happens. And so um, we're going through that. I think there was, uh, there was 10 of us on the trip. Uh, and so there's, there's 10 of us here this morning that have been up for anywhere between six to seven hours already. So um, uh, eight hours, that's Kosovo. That's, that's part of Kosovo. So we, we were there for... Um, for eight days and got to be a, a part of the opening of a, a community center there that has been uh, a vision for a number of years. We as a church have been uh, uh, called by God a little over 11 years ago to um, invest for the long term in what we, what we call just really hard soil. Um, to be a follower of Jesus in, in Kosovo is a rare, rare thing. Uh, there's, I think there's 2 million people in all of Kosovo, uh, and uh, there's less than, uh, they say that there's less than 3,000 followers of Jesus, and of that 3,000, maybe there's 300 that would, um, if asked on the street, would identify as a follower of Jesus. Um, so, so of those who actually are following Jesus, what is that percentage-wise, 10%? would actually say, yes, I'm a follower of, of Jesus publicly. And so it's, uh, it's a Muslim country. They've got very, very many uh, challenges and things that are just difficult to be a, uh, a Kosovar uh, and, and to live in that country. And so God's called us, along with others, to, to, be, to be partnered financially, to be partnered in prayer, to be partnered in sending uh, some of our own to live there long-term. Ron and Lisa Ramsey have been there now 11 years. Um, and so we get to be there and, and see the opening of a community center that's going to meet uh, not just the tech, tech, uh, practical, uh, real-life skill needs uh, of, of the people in, in Jalan, Kosovo, the third largest city, but also to, to meet their spiritual needs as well. And so uh, it was great to, to, see, to see that and to be a part of it and, and to see what God's doing there. And I want you to hear a little bit in, in, in just a bit from a, a couple others of our team as they share where they've seen joy uh, in uh, those that are following Jesus in, in Jalan as well. But uh, as, as Phil said, we've, we've started into, into the Christmas season, and, and what that means for us here at Mosaic is, is this Advent season. And Advent is, a, again, a Latin word that means arrival, so it's the arrival of, of Jesus, both um, having come some 2,000 years ago, but also anticipating his return as well. And so uh, we're following in a, a tradition and a practice that followers of Jesus has done for centuries, and that's lighting a candle, one candle for each of the four Sundays leading up into 
Christmas Day, and then uh, on Christmas Eve, we'll light the, the fifth candle, which is the Christ candle, and we'll gather here in a couple gatherings on, uh, on Christmas Eve and, and do that last candle, um, but this is part of our, our practice here, and so last week, we looked at hope, um, and this week, we'll look at joy. I'd like to thank, he's not here today, but I'd like to thank my, my friend, John Chang, who, who opened up scripture last week with us, and um, if you were here, we got to do a fun kind of update video, and then, and then John spoke and just did a great job. I listened to the podcast yesterday, and I so appreciated what God spoke through John uh, here last week. And, um, and again, that was hope uh, in, in contrast to fear. And we're going to look at, at joy in contrast to sorrow uh, this morning. So if I can, I'd, I'd like to invite you to, to close your eyes and to pray with me. And then we'll go to scripture together. God, we anticipate um, this moment, this time, uh, this gathering uh, that we get to step outside of our uh, weeks and our schedules and, and, and pause for a moment just simply to, to meet with you and your people um, and ask that you would meet us here, um, that you would be delighted in what goes on in this place and in us in this time, that, that you would be acknowledged and worshipped as the God of the universe who created us, who knows us, who instills value and dignity in each and every one of us was a God of power and justice and love and mercy. And, and God, we worship you in this place. And Holy Spirit, we invite you to work and to move, uh, to comfort, to convict, to challenge, to change us in this place. Would you have our hearts and our minds in this moment, in this time? And would we be different because you're working here? And Jesus, in all days and in all moments, would you be our King and our Savior? But in this season, uh, as we look and celebrate and remember your birth, Uh, Would you be God in the flesh, Emmanuel, for us? Would you lead us and guide us as we look to you and your story this morning and how it brings us joy, how you alone can bring a unique kind of joy into our lives that we're created for and have a capacity for and need and desire. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Uh, I I love this time of year. I, I, I love... Uh, Christmas time. I love the Advent season. I love um, all that goes along with it. I um, I grew up in a in a home. Uh, I uh, had a, a my sister and I had a, a rare gift from God that that most of our friends didn't have, and and many of us here didn't have. But my parents uh, stayed together our our uh, our whole childhood and are still married and actually both love Jesus and um, and so our home at Christmas time celebrated Jesus and we did a lot of traditions and things that made Christmas just great. And so I I love. Christmas time. When I went away to college, I looked for ways to celebrate Christmas time and, and extend it into the, the end of the fall semester. And one of the things that I did was to, to hang Christmas lights in, in my dorm room and then in my apartment the next three years. And whoever my roommate was, I, I don't remember if I ever asked for permission or not, if I just did it, but we put Christmas lights in our room all four years of college and, uh, and, and would turn on and leave it on for however long that was. And, um, and it was great. It helped make that, that last few weeks of the semester and finals just so much better and easier. I, uh, I've been married 21 years, and I've asked a number of years, I don't think every year, if, if, if we could do that in my bedroom now. That if, if Abby would, would green light that, and we could put, put lights in, in our room, and I've been told uh, no every time I've asked until this year. And for some reason, I don't know if I caught her on an off day or what, but, but she said yes. And uh, um, no, I didn't catch her on an off day, because she actually seemed to enjoy it. And so we, 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 
we picked some lights and we put them up in a room. And, and I didn't realize this, but but Christmas lights are different now than they were when I was in college. And uh, I don't know if it what, I don't know if it's technology or what it is, but there's some Christmas lights now that and maybe you've put them on the tree um, before, and then you've walked around and, and through the room that your tree is in, and some of them are actually like spotlights. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, it's weird. Like, they're just, if you catch them at the right angle, it's like they're shooting you in the eye. And that happened in our room. And so we, we hung them up and, and, and went to bed and went, this, no, this isn't going to work. And so we took them out. We, we tried a different string of lights and put another string of lights in and, and got in bed. And that was like, I don't know if it was LED or, or super bright or what, what, how we missed, but those were too bright. And we took them down and then we got like a battery powered one. We put that up. I mean, she was really committed to this. And, and so we put those up and, and then got in bed and we're like, oh, it's great. Good night. Good night. Is it too bright? Yeah, it's too bright. Okay. Do you want to get up and turn it off? No. You're the one in the lights. You do it. Okay, I'll do it. So I got up. So uh, not like college. It's different. But um, I still love everything else about, about the season. I love, I love the music. I love the food. I love the smells. I love the, the crazy decorations, although I don't ever enjoy putting them up. I love it once they're up and, and, and get to see them. I love the anticipation and, uh, and all of it. I just love that it's Christmas time and and being in Kosovo last week or walking through and um, noticed Christmas trees in a few of the stores and asked Ron, who's now been there, like I said, 11 years, Ron, why are there Christmas trees in in stores in Kosovo, a Muslim country? And and he said, well, you know, they love Americans here and they know that we celebrate Christmas and so they want to celebrate Christmas. So they put Christmas trees in in stores in hopes that they'll sell more and that'll draw attention and and that kind of thing. And and it does, it kind of works. And it was like, well, great, that works here as well. And, And I get that. And but that's weird that there's celebration of Christmas, not necessarily tied to Jesus at all, but the, the, the holiday that is ultimately tied to Jesus is being celebrated in a Muslim country with absolutely no tie to Jesus. And I begin to wonder, for me personally, the things that I love about this season, is it really about Jesus or is it just that it's a holiday season and there's so much fun and food and music and, and all that that goes along with it? And I'm still wrestling through that a bit. I don't know that I've, I can answer that super clearly there's a lot of things that i love but but this is helpful for me in this season to light a candle and to sing songs that point to jesus and to be in a rhythm that says we're we're heading towards we're counting down we're going to culminate in 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 a birthday celebration of christ being born we're going to gather with our people on on christmas eve and and anticipate the birth of jesus like those those first ones did some two thousand years ago this is a, a, a time, this is a season, this is a practice that, that points us to Jesus. I want to read a, a part of that story, and it's going to be very familiar to, to some of you, just a few verses in the book of Luke. Matthew and Luke both do a great job of, of detailing the experience of the, the birth of Christ, and Luke is perhaps the most, most frequently read and, and celebrated and familiar to our ears. But I want to read a portion of that, specifically where the angel talks to the shepherd just moments probably after Jesus had been born, and see what is said that is so unique to those first shepherds that met Jesus. Um, and so if you've got a Bible, find your way to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 12 is, is what I want to read uh, this morning with us. And it, it says this, and again, this is, this is probably going to sound very familiar uh, to your ears. You've heard this read and, uh, over and over, perhaps. And, and if it's not, if this is the first time, it's a, a dramatic part of our story of, of, uh, of who we worship and know as our King and as our Savior. But Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 12, it starts and says this. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they, like us, would be if we were there. And they were terrified. They were, they were terrified. 
But the angel of the Lord said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You'll find a babe wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Again, look at verse 10 again. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. And again, that's, if you were here last week or listened to John's talk from last week, that, that, that command, do not be afraid. It's not a suggestion. It's, it's actually written as a command. Do this. Do not be afraid is the most frequently, uh, is the most frequent command throughout all of, all of scripture, Old and New Testament. That God is continually telling us to not be afraid because so many of us are afraid for so many different reasons. But he says, if you know me, then you have a reason not to be afraid. And the angel shows up. And basically, it's, I, I think this is funny, and I think it's funny every time I read it. But the, the angel basically shows up, which an angel could show up in a lot of different ways. But he shows up in a scary way and then says, don't be scared. Which I think that's kind of fun. But bam, the glory of the Lord shone around him. And these, these, these shepherds who, who knows what, they're, they're half tired, maybe they're half drunk. We don't know what they're doing, but they're in the middle of the night. They live out in the fields with the, with the sheep. They're, they're kind of the outskirts of society. They're kind of marginalized and they're poor and they're out there in the fields. And bam, light's just there. And the, the glory of the Lord shows them. And they are, they're freaked out. They're terrified. We would be as well. And then the angel says, don't be afraid. Oh, thanks. I'll just do that. I'll just stop being afraid. Probably didn't happen, but there's the command. Don't be afraid. But then this is the message. I bring you good news. And the results of this good news, the impact of this good news, what's going to happen is it will cause great joy. And it's going to be available. It's going to be for all people, everyone, everyone. Joy is going to be available for everyone. And then he goes on to explain that in the town of David, a savior has been born. A Savior has been born who's Messiah, the Christ, the Anointed One, the Promised One, the Lord. So here's the news. Here's the update. Here's what's changed. Here's what you didn't know and now you do know. Here's where you were before and now we're here in the now. And in the now, Jesus is born, the Messiah, the Savior. And so joy is available to all of you. Now, you know this. We all know this, that we have a, a longing for and a desire for, a want to experience joy. Joy, to experience joy, a, a deep joy, deep in our bones, in our in very fiber of our being, of who we are, that we experience joy. It's part of our... Now, you might not have named that or put that on it, but that's just something of what it means to be alive, is we long to feel joy. We don't want to be sad, or we don't want to be depressed, or we don't want to be wanting. We want to be fulfilled with this sense of joy. And again, you might not put that name on it or ever written that down before, but that's something that is ongoing in all of us. And what we do is because we can't quite maybe put a name on it or or exactly name what that, what that is, is that we've reduced it down to something that we can get our hands on and are familiar with. And we've named it something different, but in doing so we've lowered our expectations and we've lowered our expectations to a word that we're all very, very familiar with, but it's not joy. And that word is, is happiness. And we need to understand that happiness is not what the angel's talking about. That happiness is not what Jesus offers and promises. That happiness is not actually what we want most in our existence, in our life, in our very being. That we want joy and we settle for happiness. I have a friend a long time ago who said this and he thought he was so just clever. He said, happiness is based on, wait for it, happenings. You see what he did there? It's easy to remember. 
Happiness is based on happenings. Great. So um, it's true. I wish I would have thought of that. But, but that's, that's what it is. Happiness, again, not joy, but happiness is this reduced down, humanized, diminished version of what God promises. And it's, it's based on the things that are happening in our life. It's based on our circumstances. It's based on external things. It's based on things that are outside of us. So some of us are less happy today because our external circumstances have changed. That we really were doing well when we were moving through the playoffs and getting to the MLS Cup and things were great, but then we didn't win. We didn't even bother to score. And so now we're, our happenings are not what we wanted and so we're not happy. We're disappointed, right? We go out to a great meal and our taste buds are satisfied beyond what we even expected and so we're happy. We're happy. Our external circumstances, our circumstances and our happenings in our life determine our, our level of happiness. And that's just a reality of how we work. And, and it's, it's not all bad. What's bad is if we think that that's ultimately satisfying. Because it's not. It's very different than joy. Joy that, the, the joy that comes through the story of God. Joy that comes from our, this capacity that we have because God created us with this capacity is very different than happiness. It's this, it's this deep-seated sense of well-being. That things are, are good. And again, and Howard said it so well earlier, and I think he was quoting somebody else who I didn't catch, but he, he said that... Um, that joy is not the absence of sorrow. That joy is not the absence of sorrow. It doesn't mean that everything the bad goes away. That joy is different than that. It's, it's inside. It's not just outside circumstances. That there's something deep within us that senses, okay, I'm well. Uh, another description I heard of joy is that it's a sense of safety in the universe. Now, the universe, or we just we know our one planet, is quite a mess. But yet God promises that we can have joy in the midst of the mess and the brokenness of our world. That we're safe, even though the things around us are swirling and a mess. Another reality of, of joy that we find in Scripture, that we experience as human beings, is that we experience joy when we experience love. When we're able to love someone... And have it reciprocated back. When we're able to experience somebody else loving us. What that means is that joy is fundamentally and foundationally. And cannot be taken apart from relationship. It is dependent upon relationship. So we can't have joy just based on something that we think or believe. We have joy through a relationship where we know that that we are, are loved. And because it comes through a relationship and because the angel, as he tells in the story of Jesus being born to those first shepherds, says that joy is available to you because somebody has been born all of a sudden, because somebody's alive and you're invited into a relationship with them, even though that sounds weird because it's a baby. But Jesus born as a baby is God's demonstration of love to us. And that's why joy is available. And this great conversation kind of got off the plane in Kosovo um, drove an hour and a half or so to, to Jilan. Um, we get into the 
to the community center. And the, the first day or two that we were there, it was still being finished. And so there was a bunch of construction kind of projects still going on. And we come in and, and Ron, who's, who's again, been there for 11 years and, and, and drove us there, said, hey, Kim, I, I want you to meet somebody. And he had been talking to a, a, a guy, one of the, the workers on the, on the crew. He was one of the um, kind of basically we know him as a subcontractor uh, here would be our language for him. But he, he says, I want you to, to meet this guy. And we were just talking about something that I want you to be in on this conversation. And so um, I, we're going to call him Nate. Um, I tried to, to learn his name, his Albanian name. And every time I said it, he kind of winced. And I said, is that it? And he was like, well. Um, and so um, I don't, I'm not going to try anymore. I'm just going to call him Nate. Um, and so Nate uh, is a uh, uh, Kosovar Albanian, um, 26 years old, a wife and two young kids. Uh, actually was in a refugee camp and spent four and a half months in the U.S. Uh, during the war. Uh, went back to Kosovo and has grown up there. And he did all the electrical plumbing and, uh, and, and cement work on the community center. And, and Ron uh, brings me and says, okay, here, I want you to um, talk to talked to him and said, okay, and uh, wanted to talk about theology. He's a devout Muslim. Never had a conversation with a devout Muslim before. We get in this conversation, and it was fascinating. We had about three of these hour-long conversations while I was there um, last week, and um, I eventually asked him the question of, um, do you, how do you know that your God loves you? And he said, it says so in the Quran. A devout Muslim, he reads the Quran regularly, listens to his imam told me that five times a day when the call goes out he prays and puts his forehead on the ground devout muslim i know my god loves me because it says so in the quran i said anything else he says and i believe it i believe that god loves me okay i would say the same thing i know that god loves me because my book tells me that because the story of god is that the creator god of the universe loves his creation he loves me and I would also say, I, I believe it. But then I, I went on, I said, you know what, but, but my, my story, my book tells me something else. It says that God didn't just communicate that to us, that, that he actually stepped in and joined us, that he, he loves us so much that he came and was born, sent his son, fully God, fully human, born as a, as a vulnerable baby. And this is the experience, the, the ultimate expression of God's love to us, that he stepped into our experience and loves us. And because of that, we can have what the angel says, which is, which is joy. Because we know that God loves us. That I can experience a, a deep-seated well-being, and that I'm safe in this messed-up universe, because the one who oversees all of it knows me and loves me. There are a few people in Kosovo who have have believed that and experienced God's love. And therefore, they've experienced joy and are great examples of joy today. And I've invited a couple of our team to join me up here. Uh, would you welcome Ethan and Tom as they, as they join me up here? And I, I, I want to ask them a few questions and have them share about people that they met while we were there uh, in Kosovo. Uh, Tom's been waiting for about 11, 11 years to go. Um, and uh, Ethan, uh, who is, is my son, if you know. How's it going? Good. Good. How are you? I'm doing well. Yeah. Good. Yeah, glad to be up here with you. Me too. And you too, Tom, but like in a different way. 
was worried about was that. that. Would that be weird? Yeah, okay. Um, so one of, the, one of the things we did one of the morning, we spent a few hours with a crew called the Lunch Bunch. And uh, Ethan, would you tell us about uh, the Lunch Bunch and who they are? Yeah, so the Lunch Bunch are a group of mentally um, disadvantaged young adults who meet Monday through Friday, an hour-long period at lunchtime, with an occupational therapist named Dai, who is a part of the, the missionary team in Jalan, Kosovo. And uh, tell us what, what Dai's role is with, with this group. So um, to explain Dai's role, um, I need to tell you about how in Kosovo, they're, um, they don't really, they're, they're not able to give the mentally disadvantaged things they need um, like in America. So they, they, don't really, they don't really get out of the house and they can't get these things they need. And so Dai's role as an occupational therapist is to give them therapy and things they wouldn't get in their homes, um, like a community and friends to be around. What was, what was your experience being there that, that morning that we spent a few hours with him? Um, yeah, it was really cool. One of the, um, the funny stories was that uh, when we first got there it's a it's a culture a cultural custom to take off your shoes when you uh enter a, a house and so what what happened was that these uh the lunch bunch actually went went around and gave each of us a pair of slippers to wear and so whenever we took our shoes off they would be right there give us a pair of slippers and a handshake and then um invited us down to our seats and gave us a cup of tea and um it was it was really cool to feel that welcomed um because we were complete strangers, and they just totally op- like opened up their their time and, and welcomed us. And uh, it was really evident that they loved to serve and loved each other. And we're really good friends with each of them, which is really cool, knowing that a lot of them don't really have that at home. Uh, tell us about the, the person in that experience who kind of most stood out to you. So... Dai has a, an assistant named Flora, and she is a Coast Guard woman who experienced the war 20 years ago. And she, years later, met Dai and uh, began practicing occupational therapy with her as her assistant. And it was, it was really cool to see her with the lunch bunch because um, I honestly thought going into it, seeing her interact with them, that she was one of their mothers. And I learned that she was not related to any of them. So it was really cool to see how she cared for the lunch bunch um, in a motherly way, even though she wasn't related to them. And so it was, it was really cool because she always had a smile on her face and, and obviously loved these, these young adults so much. And it was just really cool to see the joy in her heart. And I, I learned that uh, after a couple years after the war meeting Di, she found Jesus through Di. And it was... It was just very evident to see that as she interacted with the lunch bunch. We also got to uh, experience kind of their, their gathering of believers. So the few believers in, in Jalan uh, gather on Sunday nights, which is, which is really cool. The, uh, um, so last Sunday we were there meeting with them. Um, it's nine hours ahead there. And so during one of the gatherings here Sunday morning, we were with their believers uh, worshiping and, and sharing communion together. And uh, uh, Flora uh, there was was part of that group, uh, followers of Jesus, and she had made us all dinner. And uh, when we went around and said things that we're grateful for, and when we took communion together, there's just this sense of 
uh, of she's a changed person. And a smile is such a simple thing. Uh, but in Kosovo, it's actually not. And to see a, a smile uh, like she has stands out as just different and distinct from other people there. And it's, it's because she knows, knows Jesus. Um, there's another person who, who's got a pretty great smile uh, that you got to spend quite a bit of time with uh, in Kosovo. Would you tell us about him? Yeah, I was, I've been waiting 11 years for this happening to, to go on. And so finally, uh, getting off the plane in, um, in Kosovo, I'm going, we're here. I get to touch the ground. And yeah, it was a little bit weird, I understand. But I've been waiting for this opportunity to, to be there with Ron and with Lisa and to meet Fatos. And Fatos is just like an amazing guy. All the things we've heard about him at church are true. Not that they would, you know, we wouldn't tell the truth, but the fact that, yeah, <laughs> I know, good. I'll just keep going and we'll go by. <laughs> um, his life would bring a smile to your face. He brought one to, to mind. Um, in this event that, that Ethan was talking about, um, he got a chance to lead in communion and to serve. And just to see the joy that kind of came from his face. And it was fun to find out more about his story. I uh, learned that he grew up in a Muslim home, that his father uh, punished him because of his, his riding a bike across a viaduct that was on water on both sides. I'm thinking, you know, I was kind of, eh, maybe I, I might do that. But he, he got in trouble for that, and then how God protected him through that, how he was in a severe auto accident, and he was in a coma for three months, and yet God also protected him through that. And some of the people were wondering how he even or why he even survived, but we all know why, because God had, had, wasn't finished with him, and God had a, a special plan for him, which is we, what we've been able to see. Um, so, so Fatos came to Christ through the, his interest in learning how to speak English. He came to the center at one, one occasion and was learning how to speak English, and they stopped the, the English lesson and said, so now we're going to pray. So Fatos, what is it that you'd like us to pray about? And this Muslim said, if you would just take away, pray to your God and have him remove the nightmares from my life, then we'll talk. So they, they did. They prayed for him. And he came, comes back the next day and said, uh, I'm ready to follow Jesus. My nightmares are gone. And it was just amazing. And the joy that's come from watching him learn how to serve Jesus and watch him grow in his walk with Jesus has just been totally phenomenal. Um, one of the things that happened, and I think we've mentioned that in church it went a long time ago, that um, his faith was so contagious that he had guys would follow him home. And they would say things like, you know, we're going to threaten you, and we're going to persecute you, we're going to kill you if you don't turn away from Jesus. And he says, go for it, because I got heaven waiting for me with Jesus. So it kind of defeats the purpose of, of, of that. Um, another story, which kind of to me showed his, um, his commitment to, to the Lord, was the fact that he was committed to marrying only a gal that was a Christian gal. So he made that commitment. And he said, as long as the, the girl was a Christian, he would consider that um, someone worthy of being, uh, he, being married to. So he, he does meet a gal, but he, here is the thing. He says, um, he would have this phrase that he would say to the girls that he would take out. And he said, if you're not for Jesus, then I'm not for you. So how would you like to have that as a first date? You know, Probably not a whole lot of second dates after that. But out of that out of his commitment to Christ and putting Christ first in that relationship, that he, God honored him by finding him a Christian wife, and they were married and now are looking to have, expecting their first child. 
Um, but the excitement comes from watching him grow and seeing him be and seeing his commitment to Christ, and and seeing that joy in his life brings joy to my heart. That's great, Tom. Thank you. Thanks, you guys. Thank you very much. It's great. Um, and that would be that's. In case you're single and looking to get married, I'd encourage you to use that phrase as well. That's a, that's a pretty good one. Um, um, one of the things that uh, is uh, is true in in Kosovo is that there's a lot of there's a lot of reasons to despair. There's a lot of challenges. There's a lot of um, uh, really in, in in one way or another suffering. Um, that it's obviously they've got a war in their recent past uh, that deeply affects them. Uh, their economy is 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 pretty miserable. Um, the, the Ron was telling us that a lot of those that are in, in power positions and officials and those kind of things are basically organized crime and, and thugs and uh, and and so the the perspective on on life and a future and a sense of hope there uh, is really really dim. It's difficult. Um, and yet to, to talk to people who have a sense of hope and have a sense of joy in Jesus, even though their outside happenings, their outside circumstances, their external realities don't seem to match up with that, is a, is a witness and a testimony to us of the, the power of God and the reality of, of Jesus in their lives. And, and so we want to celebrate that and tell those stories here and, and for that to impact us, for us to be affected by that. Um, we see in, in, in Scripture in another place that, um, that that I think these stories in Kosovo are a living out of this and a, and a great reminder to us. But uh, Peter writes in First Peter chapter 1, he's writing to followers of Jesus who are exiled, who are struggling, who are suffering, who are experiencing sorrow and pain and loss. And he writes this to them. He says, in, in all this you greatly rejoice, not in their circumstances, but he's just got done talking about how they have found salvation in Jesus, of who Jesus is. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire. So he's talking about something that's limited. That's an external reality that gold that can be refined in its value improved. Even that can, can disappear, but it's different than your faith. The proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes, even though refined by fire may result in praise, glory, and honor. When Jesus Christ is revealed, when, when Jesus returns the second advent, when he's revealed again, that all of that is proved true and our faith through struggle and through sorrow. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. This is, this is what we're living out. When we experience sorrow, when we experience suffering, when we hear those stories of people in, in Kosovo who are in a challenging circumstance and situation and yet have a joy that it says, it says right here in First Peter, inexpressible and glorious. It doesn't match up to the external circumstances, but it's inexpressible, it's glorious. For you are receiving the end result of your faith. You're beginning to taste what's coming in the end. The salvation of your souls. Peter connects both the joy that we experience and express here that doesn't match up with our external circumstances. It connects joy with our future salvation, our hope in Jesus. Just like the angel did with the shepherds. There's joy available because a savior has been born. 
go and meet him. Go and find him. Go and see him. Here's the sign. You're going to find him wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. That's our, our invitation and our, our challenge today is to find, find him and to find our faith in him and our joy in him. And so I have a question for us today. Um, we, uh, we have a lot of other things that we, we minimize joy and we break it down and we reduce it down to happiness. And we kind of create these crutches in our life that we get through because we're happy enough. And if something falls through and disappoints us, then we scramble for something else. The question I have for you today that I think Christmas begs us to answer, demands that we answer, is what are the things that we're finding contentment in that are just simply happiness, that are crutches for this life, that are not ultimate joy? A joy that is a deep-seated sense of well-being, of safety in the universe, that is only possible through a relationship where we're loved. And the only one that is, that is untouchable, that will never end, is the love that God offers us in the person of Jesus Christ. That is a very different desire and want and capacity that each of us have than just simply being happy because our team wins or we get a good taste of food or we have a great hobby or a vacation or we have enough money in the bank or in our pocket at any one moment. Those are two very different things. What are the things that you're settling for that are not Jesus? I invite you to take your refuge in him and him alone. And one of the ways that we do that, that is very similar and shared with followers of Jesus around the world, is coming to this table. And so now we're going we're gonna to sing, and Phil's actually going to lead us in, a, in a, just a short uh, refrain that is, that is telling God that we're thankful for him. And, and Phil's done this, this pretty, I was pretty impressed, Phil, that, that you learned Albanian for this, this phrase, this chorus. And you, you sounded very fluent. And so, um, I'm a genius, so it helps. You are. But here's, here's what's going to happen. We're going to come to, to these tables together, and Phil's going to lead just this one chorus in both, both uh, Albanian and, and English. But as we hear, hear words that aren't familiar to us, it's going to remind us that there's people around the world that are suffering, that are in the midst of sorrow. But joy is not the absence of sorrow, is it? Joy is something that's available in Jesus and Jesus alone. And so as we come and we hear these words and as we take the bread and dip it in the cup, reminded of Jesus' sacrifice for us, reminded of the the one who offers us this gift of joy, you're reminded that there's others that are, are suffering and following Jesus in this world that are far from us. And we share in this joy with them both now and for all of eternity.